will you join me in prayer? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In 1930, a Presbyterian minister named Reverend Hugh Thomas Kerr, that's him, Thompson Kerr, he dreamed up the idea of what we are practicing today, World Communion Sunday. He wanted the ecumenical body of Christ to come together and to unite in one of their commonalities, Holy Communion. In 1933, the first World Communion Sunday took place in Pittsburgh, and Reverend Kerr began his quest to get other churches on board to celebrate this. If it's going to be World Communion Sunday, there needs to be more than just one church practicing it, right? However, his idea did not catch on quickly. Uniting churches of different denominations and different understandings is a tough sell. Reverend Kerr's son, who was a teenager during the inception of World Communion Sunday, remembers this. It was during the Second World War that the spirit caught hold because we were trying to hold the world together. Worldwide communion symbolized the effort to hold things together in a spiritual sense. It emphasized that we are one in the spirit and the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was in a moment of desperation and division that World Communion Sunday was accepted into the larger church. And it was more than simply symbolic. It was felt deeply throughout a world that was hurting. I like to imagine that World Communion Sunday caught on because there was this common realization that we're all together in this. And even almost 100 years later, here we are, all gathered together to remember that spark that brought people together amidst war. Today, we unite with those in the faith who have gone before us and with those who will come after us. We, re we unite with our neighbors both here and far. We unite with people who love Jesus. Together, we will celebrate this holy meal as a united people. Our scripture reading this morning is the feeding of the 5,000 from Mark's gospel, which is the oldest gospel, also the shortest. Chris, uh, during his sermon this morning, ranked it as the fourth best gospel out of four. Uh, for me, it's at the top because I love the brevity and how Mark cuts to the chase. So he and I are opposites in this. But as usual, before we get into the reading this morning, I want to give us some context of this story. We are going to be in the sixth chapter of Mark, and I cannot tell you how much happens in this single chapter. I'm going to try. But there is a whole lot just in the sixth chapter of Mark. We begin with Jesus going to his hometown where he is met with disbelief from the people and ultimately he's not welcomed in his hometown. After this, Jesus sends off his 12 disciples in pairs for them to go off and spread the good news with the world. And then, we're still not even to the feeding of the 5,000, y'all. Then we get this really twisted story about King Herod and his wife, who used to be his brother's wife, 
And also his daughter's thrown in there, but it's not real clear if it's his daughter, if it's his niece. I'm telling you, y'all, their family tree is really something. Anyways, in this story, Herod is hosting this very lavish banquet for all of these important, fancy, upper-class people. And at this dinner, he gives the command for the death of John the Baptist, even though King Herod kind of liked John. That's what's happened all in the sixth chapter, right before we pick up with our reading today. We're going to read it all at once. We're going to be in verses 30 through 44. Hear these words from Mark. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him everything they had done and taught. Remember I told you Jesus set them off to spread the word, so they're reunited, coming back. Many people were coming and going, so there was no time to eat. Jesus said to the apostles, come by yourselves to a secluded place and rest for a while. They departed in a boat by themselves for a deserted place. Many people saw them leaving and recognized them. So they ran ahead from all the cities and arrived before them. When Jesus arrived and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Then Jesus began to teach them many things. Late in the day, his disciples came to him and said, this is an isolated place. It's already late in the day. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy something to eat for themselves. Jesus replied, you give them something to eat. But they said to him, should we go off and buy bread worth almost eight months pay and give it to them to eat? Jesus said to them, how much bread do you have? Take a look. After checking, they said, five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus directed the disciples to seat all the people in groups as though they were having a banquet on the green grass. They sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up to the heaven, blessed them, broke the loaves into pieces, and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Everyone ate until they were full. They filled 12 baskets with the leftover pieces of bread and fish. About 5,000 had eaten. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let the church say, thanks be to God. This may be a familiar story for many of us. You may have even heard a slightly different version where there's another character involved. Yeah, the boy, the little boy, yeah. So in uh, John's gospel, there's actually a little boy who offers five loaves of bread and two fish. This story of the feeding of the 5,000 is actually a story that is found in all four gospels, which is a pretty big deal. There are only a handful of Jesus's ministry prior to his entry into Jerusalem for his last days, that are shared by all four Gospels. Typically, I'd add that little fact in as like a fun fact of the day. But on a Sunday where we're focusing on our commonalities as followers of Christ, when we're coming together across different understandings of Christianity to celebrate Holy Communion together, I'd say it's a pretty cool thing that our scripture reading is one of only a few 
that is found in all four Gospels. It's like even the Gospels are uniting together with us today. In our reading, we see the disciples reunite with Jesus. Then they intend to go and rest. I love a good scripture passage about rest because, hello, y'all, I love rest. I want to nap all of the time. But when they get to their resting place, there's a large group of people gathered. So much for their nap. Jesus notices the crowd, has compassion on them, and teaches them many things. The disciples, being as astute as they were, they noticed that, huh, perhaps the people need to be fed. And they realized that they only have a little to offer. But Jesus blesses the little. Jesus blesses the five loaves and the two fish, and 5,000 people are fed. There's even enough left over for to-go containers. Chapter 6 is jam-packed. I told y'all. That's all in chapter 6, and still there's more. After this story, Jesus walks on water and then does even more healings. I could give four different sermons just on our text today because there's so much there. Mark is fast and furious in his gospel, and he really gets down to business. Since it's World Communion Sunday, though, it makes sense for us to talk about the way that Jesus offered nourishment to this crowd of people. Yes, there's this fabulously impressive miracle where Jesus takes a little and turns it into much, and we also need to pay attention to the way Jesus had compassion on the people who were gathered. Jesus had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Our passage says that Jesus began to teach them many things. I can't help but compare this to the story right before, the one I told you about Herod. At Herod's dinner, there is plenty of food for everyone. There's wealth. There's dancing. There are plenty of seats for the elite, but not for anyone else. Yet in Jesus' story, in this secluded, typically deserted place, Jesus sets a very different table. Jesus changes courses from taking a rest and instead, he teaches, he mentors, he shepherds. He's brought only a meager offering of food, and Jesus turns it into a feast for all the people gathered. He gives nourishment, and Jesus doesn't save it just for the elite. He offers it to everyone who is gathered. The people are looking for someone to shift the status quo that they're living in. They are yearning for things to be shaken up, for their faith to be reignited, for there to be less of these exclusive dinners. Jesus meets the people where they're at, and he offers them a nourishment that is accessible to all for all time. This is what we believe happens around these tables. It happened with Jesus there gathered with a crowd of people. 
It happened when Jesus, on one of his last days, was surrounded at a table with his disciples. It happens here every time we come together to partake in Holy Communion. When we open our hands and receive the elements, we're receiving more than just bread and juice. We're opening our hands to a love that isn't confined to this world. When we come together at the table, we are reminded that we are united with a larger community of believers that goes beyond these walls. I want us to take a look again at verses 35 and 37. 35 through 37. Late in the day, the disciples came to Jesus and said, this is an isolated place. It's already late in the day. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy something to eat for themselves. Jesus replied, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. As we consider what it means to come together as the body of Christ, as a common people united by a great love, may we also remember the disciples' charge to give the people something to eat. We don't just come to the table to Holy Communion to take. Instead, we come and are transformed by the generous grace Christ offers to each of us. We are so transformed that it overflows into the way that we do life day to day. Jesus offers us nourishment and love and grace and acceptance and all things that are good. When we open our hands to receive, we are then charged to give the people something to eat to share that goodness with everyone we meet. Over the past month, this group here, you, this community, has been collecting items for the Plano Overnight Warming Station. If you don't know anything about what we call POWs, it is a station over in East Plano that is activated on nights where the temperatures dip below freezing. It serves as a place of warmth and nourishment for those on the street who are in search and need of a safe space to rest. We have a lot of congregants here at our church who volunteer at the station on those nights. If you're like, oh my gosh, I would love to do that. You're in luck. We are hosting a training on Tuesday for anyone interested. There are the details. A few evenings ago, there was actually a banquet here in this room where they celebrated the many volunteers who helped make the Plano Overnight Warming Station happen. At that event, there were rocks with the names of every single person who stayed at the warming station during the past year. People who were at the event took home rocks to pray over their names. And because so many people were served by the warming station, we have a table in the back of the room, you may have noticed as you came in, that is covered in rocks that weren't taken because there were so many. I encourage you all to take your own rock home with you after the service. On the rock, there will be a name of someone who stayed at the station. We ask that you hold them in prayer in the coming year.
This is how we give the people something to eat. We pray for others. We volunteer. We listen. We build relationships. We teach. We mentor. We shepherd. We feed. We, too, have compassion. On this day, may we remember those things that bring us together, especially those things that tether us amidst deep divisions. May we rejoice that we have a God who has compassion on each of us and equips us all to give someone else something to eat. Amen.